welcome to Fresh Pressed for March 30th, 2021. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and prophetic grooves. Okay. Is that anything? That's, not, that's all right. Yeah, and that's pretty a, good. And I've... adopted grooves. That's worse. Yeah, sure is. Um, I was thinking maybe you'd go with like pulled from the water grooves, you know. That's too long. Playing off the, I mean, not exactly. Listen, I was going to let you come up with the clever bit. Just, I'm just like the idea. I think adopted is better than pulled from the water. Well, pulled from the water is literally what Moses means. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, now you do. Uh, If you haven't gathered, our theme this week is Moses, the prophet. Uh, Passover started this past weekend, so we'll do a little Passover celebration here. Chag Sameach, baby, you know? I do. Andrew, tell us about your groove pulled from the water, your watery groove. No, that sounds like watery grave. That's the opposite time. The song that I have today is entitled Let My People Go, and it's by Durando. Gabe said I was allowed to bring a song that was entitled Let My People Go. So I did. I mean, that's like a that's a classic Moses phrase. Yeah. That's a Mosesism. Uh Durando, born William Duran Pulliam, was a soul singer uh from the Bay Area, Gabe. Wait. I this is important, I'm sure, but his name was William Pulliam? His name's William Pulliam. So he threw away the first one and the last one and just kept his middle name, Duran, and made it Durando. That seems like a wise decision. <laughs> I think we can all agree that was a good choice because his name was William Pulliam. William Pulliam is definitely more indie than funk. William Pulliam is the name of an indie band that where nobody's named William Pulliam. It's just like a, it's just a name, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. No, that's absolutely correct. So anyway, uh, Durando, uh, born in 1946, he collaborated primarily with Al Turner, who's a jazz pianist, in the, uh, I think, late 60s and early 70s. And he ended up releasing a couple singles, like, here and there. And he had one single, didn't I, that that did pretty well, sold 35,000 copies. Um. He actually opened for James Brown for a little bit. Wow. Which is wild. In the late 70s, he sort of moved away from music. Um, he did some, like, local TV shows. <laughs> There's, I have two titles of local TV shows that he hosted. One is called Tapper the Rabbit. It was a children's show. And one is called Durando's Penthouse After Dark. So I feel like maybe those were on at different times and had different sort of audiences. Okay, just to clarify, the first one was the children's show, right? Tapper the Rabbit, children's show. Yeah. Durando's Penthouse After Dark, not a children's show. I I mean, there's nothing here that says it wasn't a children's show. Well, it was the 70s, I guess. Yeah. And then he moved to Europe. Uh, he started like playing guitar on a cruise ship and traveled around. 
Then he came back to the Bay Area and became a speech pathologist. Wow, what? <laughs> what a turn. Um, and then in the early 2000s, his music sort of resurfaced via various, like, funk crate diggers uh, who found, like, his, these old rare recordings and were really into them because they're really good. Yeah. So there were a couple of um, uses of his songs, mostly Didn't I, that, that one that got the most play in a couple different movies and TV shows. He passed away in 2013, but before he did, uh, there were two recordings, sort of compilation albums of music that he'd recorded back in the 70s uh, that were released, one in 2006 and one in 2011. Um, And this is the title track from the 2006 Let My People Go compilation. Said you better let my Let my people go Said you better let my Let my people go I'm talking about the baby So like Gabe said, it's it's structured around the the line "Let my people go," which is, of course, a famous Mo- Mosesism. 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 That's actually a palindrome. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> Could be. No, it can't. Sure, it can. If you just replaced some of the vowels with other vowels. I guess you could do Mosesism. Yeah. But that's not ism. So? So it doesn't work. It doesn't have the same meaning. No. Yeah, but come on. This is poetic license. Okay. I don't know what poetic license is, but I'm sure that this is it. Okay. Anyway, um, so it, it's it's structured around this let my people go. He's not talking about uh, the people of Israel, the Jews in this context. He's the African-American people. This was uh, written in presumably the late 60s, early 70s, as you can probably tell from the lines about a man getting in a rocket ship and going to the moon on a million dollar mission just to bring back a piece of rock. He's basically saying that's, you know, that's cool and all, you know, trying to be Superman, whatever. But we've got babies starving to death. It's literally a line in this song. So he's he's using that that Moses line of let my people go to talk about his own people. When we chose the theme of Moses, my first thought was, was spirituals. And then that led me to not a spiritual, a soul song, but because uh, I didn't feel like I should bring go down Moses. I didn't think that was, I felt like that was probably a little too famous, but you know, that is a, a common thing throughout American history, African American history black folks using the plight uh, applying the same like story of the plight of the Israelites to their own plight enslaved in a land that is not theirs. Right. No, it's an excellent point. I actually think most Moses related music is probably from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, my song, which we'll get to also is a reference to, the Negro spiritual interpretation of Moses hmm. and the book of Exodus as a, an analogy to the plight of 
enslaved peoples in America. The last verse is is sort of optimistic and uh, which is which is surprising and nice. We don't need your money. Keep your anger and grief. We just want a happy place where black men and white men can live in peace. It's it's I, I was surprised to get to that because the rest of the song is is like angry and righteous, obviously rightfully righteously so. But it it comes down to like, I mean, I guess fittingly comes down to all we need to do is just find a promised land for us. What have you found floating in the river? This song is Misty Moses by Rodrigo y Gabriela from their 2014 record, Nine Dead Alive. Sanchez and Gabriela Quintero are Rodrigo y Gabriela, and they are a Mexican duo. They met when they were 15 at, like, it sounds like some sort of, like, I think it's called the House of Culture or something in Mexico. It just sounds like an, like an artist space that existed in Mexico City at the time, and I guess the 90s, this would be. They were both teenagers, and basically they... I gather, fell in love, and then started making music together. They ended up collaborating initially because they were both fairly into like hard rock and metal, which does come through on this song, I think, but huh, not necessarily on all their other music. I never knew that about them, but that does kind of make sense now. Yeah, and, and you can tell, especially with Rodrigo's style, which I'll, I'll talk about their individual styles, but with his style... It's like the the soloing has obviously lots of roots in Latin music, but also a lot of like metal and hard rock roots, you know, like pentatonic scales kind of thing. Anyway, so they met, but eventually they got like dissatisfied with the Mexican music scene. So they moved to Dublin, you know, as you do. Yeah, as you do. But this is crazy. They were like, we need to go someplace that has a more serious music scene. So they moved to Dublin. Neither of them spoke any English at the time. And they didn't have like a plan. They just showed up and started busking and like playing pubs together. In Ireland. That's crazy. Anyway, they ended up basically making it in Dublin. And they started releasing albums in the early 2000s. Leading up to this record, their fourth album from 2014. Titles Nine Dead Alive. Um, the basic conceit of the album is that there are nine songs, and each song is dedicated to a specific historical figure who had passed away, but also who they considered major influences still. I, I think I have a good quote about it somewhere. 
Each track is a personal celebration of individuals who have passed on, but through their deeds and words still resonate in the 21st century. And it is an incredible mix of individuals. This track, Misty Moses, is dedicated to Harriet Tubman. Oh. So tying us back to enslaved peoples in America and enslaved Israelites. Um, so that's cool. There, there are like a bunch of other people, right? Uh, Dostoevsky is on here. Uh, okay. Victor Frankl. Okay. Uh, Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, who's a famous poet. Okay. Uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay. So I'm not really sure Wait, you why can't, you, they... You need to give me the full nine. Okay. They, uh, okay. So in order, Antonio de Torres Jurado. Don't know who that is. Who is a, uh, a famous flamenco guitarist. Okay. That makes sense. It, Animals and Nature is the second one. What? Yeah. So that kind of, that's cheating. Um, Victor <laughs> Frankl, Harriet Tubman, Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, then Fritjof Nansen? Fritjof Nansen? Uh, it was a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. He led the team that made the first crossing of the Greenland interior. I have no idea why is... And he won the fine. Nobel Peace Prize for that? No, probably for something else. Uh, Gabriela Mistral, who was a Chilean diplomat and... The first Latin American author to win the Nobel Prize in literature, uh, Dostoevsky, and then Eleanor of Aquitaine. So really just a grab bag of <sighs> important individuals. And also animals in nature. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> the important thing, Andrew, is that this is phenomenal, phenomenal guitar playing. It's so good. It is. This song is so fun. Like, it just bring it brought me so much joy to throw it on, be like, oh, look, Rodrigo and Gabriela have a Moses song. Let me put the, oh, yeah, this shit rocks. <laughs> uh, I was introduced to them in high school sometime. Uh, I think their first album, they they had a very famous track off of it called Tamakun, and they also do, like, a great, fun cover of Stairway to Heaven mm-hmm. on that record. Um, but I, I haven't really, like, gone and listened to much of their other work. But this is great. Um, they draw, like we said, from metal and hard rock influences, but also, obviously, from Latin influences and from Spanish influences, particularly flamenco. two guitarists in this duo obviously what are their names um they're both <laughs> they're both playing nylon stringed acoustic guitars which i think contributes to this pretty distinct sound um and each of them have their own style that they bring to the group pretty consistently between every song so rodrigo is i guess lead guitar is how i would put it he typically plays the solos and the melody on this song, for example, and, and the solo in the song. And then you have Gabriela, who is the rest of the band. <laughs> uh, 
you know, she's playing like the drums and the bass and the rhythm guitar all on one guitar. And her playing style is fucking awesome. And if you get the chance, maybe we should drop a link in the show notes to like their tiny desk concert. Yeah. They are so amazing to watch. And she is amazing to watch in particular. Her guitar style is based off a lot of ideas from flamenco and using the guitar as a percussion instrument. But also, it's totally unique and remarkable. Playing chords while doing all sorts of percussive things. It's very cool. And the two of them have such tangible chemistry, not just in the music, but also the way that they like exist on a stage together is so cool to watch. They've been playing music together for like 30 years, I think. Jeez. I mean, not quite. Um, just as duet. And I-, I said that they fell in love, which was true, but then they stopped being a romantic couple like in the early 2010s and continued making music together successfully. They've made like three albums since that breakup, that romantic breakup. And and not that that's like wildly unusual, but it's really interesting and fascinating to watch that, like such a long running partnership like that. Most bands don't last that long. Very few musical collaborations last that long, but they seem to mesh perfectly both in the music and in their showmanship. I gotta say, this was quite the week for new music. There was a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, it was a good one. And the song you picked mm-hmm. is off just an absolutely incredible album. So good. Yes. Uh, this song is entitled Hypnotized, and it is off the new album Sketchy by Tunyon. The trees are in the meadow. Are in the trees. The people are in anywhere to be found. Sketchy period. Sketchy period, yes. All lowercase period. Yeah. Like like fun period. Right. Except this is the album title. They threw away look, Gabe. They Tune Yards has put away their childish things, but only for the band name, not for any other sort of capitalization or punctuation sort of issues well i think they got sort of blindsided on the band name because all of a sudden the uppercase lowercase thing they had going on got is the spongebob uh, co-opted by this yeah it's kind of a bummer (laughs) tune yards (laughs) um anyway we have talked about tune yards on the show before as gabe reminded me but it was also episode two so I feel like I'm allowed to talk about Tune Yards again. Yes, you are absolutely. This is totally permitted. It's been a year and a half. We've recorded 70 episodes since that episode. <laughs> so uh, Tune Yards, if you've forgotten, is a p- 
partnership between Nate Brenner and Meryl Garbus, uh, fresh off her confirmation as attorney general. Um, <laughs> it's it's mostly Meryl Garbus. Like she's she's writing the songs and doing the vocals and and then also doing like a ton of the instrumentation too. This is their, I don't know. They have a lot of albums. This is their latest album. Um, <laughs> it's in our new music section, so you can take that one for a given. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did also just put out today on Sunday a cover of Idiotech. So it's not their most recent music. Wow. Anyway, uh, this song is called Hypnotized, um, and it's fucking great. Can we start with the chorus? Sure. Yes. Just because the thing that absolutely catches my ear is like the arpeggiated vocals that Meryl Garbus does through the chorus, taking you up and down and up and down. And it is, uh, you might even say, hypnotizing. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I didn't think about that before. Also, I mean, every other line is look into my eyes. Oh, yeah, sure. That's also sort of hypnotizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the chorus is incredible and has been like stuck in my head continuously since I heard this album on Friday. And it's 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 very tune yards, it's very Meryl Garbus in the way that it's sung and and the amount of words in it and the amount of notes in it um and sort of the harmonies as well. It's just it's just like the perfect. I love when an artist has something that feels so unique to them and not boring but is like reliably incredible in this way. I'm not yeah, expressing like that well, a... but like, it's just, she's just so good at this. At this no, I mean, thing. she has a very specific style and just executes on that style flawlessly. Yeah. And you can only marvel at that kind of thing. And it's not boring ever. It's always interesting. Look into my eyes. thoughts on the lyrics andrew you know i don't have strong thoughts about the lyrics for this song um there's there's other songs that have a more clear sort of like message like the first track nowhere man was written in response to a a particularly draconian abortion law that went into effect in alabama last year and so there's there's some more like biting and and direct sort of messages in that song and in other songs in the album as well um this one you know it's just sort of your straightforward the trees are in the meadow the cows are in the trees the people aren't anywhere to be found better take one of these the trees are in the meadow the cows are in the pigs the people aren't anywhere to be found the grave digger digs you know just sort of normal kind of um everyday things sort of like a slice yeah, of life kind of thing. yeah 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 <laughs> just sort of walking by and just you know singing what you see that kind of thing right 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 the other component of their like very distinctive and very well executed sound is the maximalist instrumentation. Um, there's always so much going on. It really is about fullness and variety, multiplicity. 
Yeah, and not just in the instrumentation. I think that extends to many parts of the style. Uh, like her vocals are what I would call maximalist. There are many yeah. notes happening, and and puts a lot of harmonies like in that chorus that we're talking about. There's harmonies in there that really thicken it, and her voice itself has so much texture to it. Yeah, her voice has such a unique timbre. It's incredible. Yeah, and and I really think like a unique timbre that is like I just feel like there's so much happening when I hear her singing. Even if you set aside all the instrumentation, all of the harmonies, all of the complex melodies, just like one note of her voice has so much thickness to it. Yeah, it really does feel like her voice, even when she's singing alone, is doubled. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, it feels like there are two of her singing at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes there are actually two of her singing at the same time, but, uh, you know, but... Well, yes. I mean, a lot of times there are, but but no, I know exactly what you mean. Gabe, you've got something new and different. I think new and different is a good way of putting it. And I am aware that this song will not appeal to everybody. Possibly not even everybody who's recording this podcast. No, actually, well, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. Anyway, this is the myth slash I don't from the self-titled debut album for those I love. Yes. This record I listened to this morning for the first time on my walk, and I put it on, and I was listening to the first song, and I was like, I, this is not the, this is not normally my kind of music. I don't love this style of spoken word over electronica, but I had seen some like positive reviews, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll just give it a chance. And even after like maybe 90 seconds of the first song, I was like, I'm going to listen to this whole album. Um, And to some extent, Andrew, I feel that it is difficult to parse out a single song from the album because it makes sense more as a complete whole than as individual tracks, as we even see with this track where it's really two different tracks stuck into one. Nonetheless, I found this album emotionally very moving. Both from a lyrical perspective and from a musical perspective, I think they really work together well in ways that I did not expect. And I thought that was important to have on our podcast because this might be one of my favorite albums of the year so far. So uh, maybe just some quick background. Well, actually, the background is very important here. No, that's the whole thing. The artist for Those I Love is David Balfi, who is... Uh, out of the Dublin working class neighborhoods of Kulak and Donamede. 
Um, so an Irish musician. And the album is centered around specifically the suicide of David Balfi's best friend and bandmates and companion, Paul Curran. And it ties together all of these pieces of growing up in these parts of Dublin that were particularly hard hit in 2008 with the global recession that you know hit Ireland specifically very hard. And the neighborhood that this takes place in that Balfi grew up in was violent and it sounds like a difficult place to live. And that him and his friends took a lot of solace in each other's company. Um, you know, he specifically talks about them going and recording music in like his parents' shed. And this was like their way place to get away. Uh, and they played, you know, hardcore and punk and they dabbled in, as we can tell, electronic music. And Balfi and his friend Paul Kern were very close. And there are all sorts of other themes that are brought in. Specifically, I think it's a really interesting look at masculinity. Um, especially given kind of the nature of how masculinity was viewed by the people who grew up around this group of like young men and boys. This song, The Myth, I think specifically, it's really two kind of tracks. And if we're focusing on one, I'd like to focus on the first. The Myth is, I, I would say, the centerpiece of the record. Um, which is one of the reasons I brought it. And it's sort of showcasing our narrator, uh, an artist, at his lowest points post uh, the death of his friend. And I think it's extremely poignant and poetic and beautiful and also deeply sad. And it works really well with the music, I think, in particular. It's sort of an interesting blend uh, of like styles that come out of the British and Irish Isles. There's a very famous band called The Streets that is does a lot of spoken word that I think also recently put out a record um, that clearly is being emulated to some degree here. But then also all of the sort of British artists that had major effects in like the electronic music world, like... Uh, Burial, who did a lot of the very early dubstep stuff um, and trip hop and James Blake, I think. And they, uh, David Balfi references Mount Kimball, who does a lot of like this cutting up of samples and throwing things together and stitching together collages of electronic music. Um, there are all sorts of interesting pieces that go in there beyond just all the samples that are cut. He also uses like recordings and voice memos from their WhatsApp conversations that he had with his friends um, and with other friends in their group, which is uh, an intense way to go about making an album. And on this song, he alludes to specifically using the making of the music of this record as his form of therapy. And he's talked about finding a lot of peace kind of post the recording of this record because of its like therapeutic effects. Mm -hmm. And I think the oh, kind of an instinctual gut reaction would be like, maybe you should go to a therapist. But like, it's something he alludes to this record, like, or on this, on this song, which is that, that the line is, but that Tuesday morning counseling does break the bank. Yeah. Like, it's not that easy. Yeah. 
Pissed madman by myself, wasting a low wage wealth and my health. Red eyes and red credit, searching for ways to get out of this state on Reddit. I have value, my mates and my ma said it. But that Tuesday morning counselling does break the bank. And you know who said barring out and selling won't make it back. But fuck that jack, I won't bring the problems to further the lack just to make a stack. I'm lucky to be past that, I'll stay with my I don't know, I think there's so much to unpack on this. And I don't necessarily think that I can go through all of it on this podcast, Andrew. But I, I do want to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I had a similar sort of reaction, I, I guess, to the album as a whole as you did. Um, you sent this to me. I hadn't heard of it. I started listening to it. I was like, okay, this is some, you know, electronic stuff. And then he started, the vocals started and I was taken aback. But I, it pulled me into it. The the story of it as it sort of unfolds. Um, I don't know. Did you know what it, everything that it was about when you started listening to it? I did not. No, I okay. started started listening to it and I was like, maybe I should look up some backstory. Okay. Yeah, I, I just listened to it the whole way through and sort of allowed it to unfold for me. And it I found that such a powerful way to to experience it. Um such a such a powerful way for it to be presented, to be experienced. Yeah, and, and I think I sh- I wanna add that this album is not like unilaterally like depressing and dealing strictly with the worst parts of grief like this song is there's some really beautiful moments at both the beginning and the end of the album where uh like he's referencing how his friend is like living on in all of these like soccer players that they love and the team that they love to watch and the first song on the record i have a love is such a beautiful way of talking about like your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's now, it's one of these albums that I want to say that I will come back to it over and over again. And I certainly will come back to it, but it's also, it was like an emotionally draining experience to listen to it. Right. Um, so I, I do, as always recommend listening to the full kind of album experience, but also with the, like the content warning and the, the foreknowledge that, it's an intense record, and it will make you feel lots of things, I think, as all good music should, even in such an unusual package like Chopped Up Electronica and Spoken Word Dublin Accent to the Max. Yeah. Memory again and again, and you can't be with those you love because you forgot how to trust, and your whole life is drunk or fucked up, and every time your phone bings, you panic. Cause you're terrified of what's on the other end It's happened again So you stop answering your phone And you don't look at texts And you only check when it's plans or points on deck And then you get left and look at the only messages you have left When your best friend said before his death Andrew, give me some more highlights from records that you listened to this week. I was very close to bringing a track from Anna Fox Rochinsky's album, Cherry. I super fucking love a record from Noga Erez called Kids, which is just like late millennial angst crossed with absolute bangers. She's an Israeli-American rapper and... Uh, is this record fucking rocks. It's so good. 
Um, the Antlers record is out, and it is as beautiful as you might expect. And speaking of beautiful records from artists we've featured previously on the show, Serpent with Feet mm. put out uh, Deacon this week, which is gorgeous and lovely. There's an album by Lost Girls, which is Jenny Hval and Haver Folden. I don't know how to say any of these people's names, but it's called, it's called you know, Meniska Collectivet. It's very cool. It is really cool. Um, there is a spectacular saxophone orchestral record uh, from Floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders, and the London Symphony Orchestra titled Promises that I loved. Uh, there's a great gospel album from Miko Marx and the Resurrectors called Our Country. Um, great rap hip-hop record from Armand Hammer and The Alchemist titled Haram. There's an album called Made Out of Sound uh, by Bill Orcutt, who's a guitarist, and Chris Corsano, who's a drummer. Um, an instrumental sort of post-jazz. I think literally in the description they call it Not Not Jazz. Okay. Really cool album. Absolutely my shit. Might not be your shit. Uh, I do not think it is on streaming services. It is on Bandcamp. Speaking of jazz adjacent, El Michel Affair oh, put yes. out a record called Yeti Season. That's really good. I had that on while I was watching basketball last night. <laughs> Perfect for that. Oh, there was also a a, a jazz album from the Jihye Lee Orchestra. Uh, Jihye Lee is a South Korean originally uh, composer. She's won a whole bunch of jazz prizes and some of those compositions that won prizes and were commissioned as a result of prizes, are on this album called Daring Mind. It's so good. Um, I just wanted to mention the um, first of a series of four releases from the Jag Jaguar label in celebration oh, yes. of their 25, this is like their 25th year, or it's their 25th anniversary of their founding. Um, so the first release of that, the first quarterly release, is um, Dilate Your Heart, by the poet Ross Gay. Um, he reads poems over music composed by various JAG artists, such as Bon Iver or Mary Lattimore. A lot of really cool stuff. Also, there's a reference to South Philly. Oh, of course. That is our show for the week. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod. You can find a playlist with all the tracks from the show this year and in previous years on Spotify, and that link is in the show notes on your favorite podcast app or service. We'll be back next Tuesday, April 6th, with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you have been listening to Fresh Pressed. <laughs>